0: This is Steve Stein, and welcome back to another episode of Inside Asia. When I use the term tech titans, who do you think of? Google? Amazon? Apple? How about Alibaba, Baidu, and Tencent? If these names don't ring a bell, you're asleep at the wheel. And speaking of sitting behind the wheel, have you heard of NEO, Xiaoping Motors, and SAIC? If you're living in China, then maybe so. If not, then get out your Chinese dictionary. There's more where this came from. As my guest this episode, Rebecca Fannin, points out, few Westerners had heard of Toyota, Honda, or Mitsubishi before the 1980s. It was on the back of the global oil crisis that Japan offered drivers in the U.S. and Europe a cheaper, more fuel-efficient solution. The rest is history. We may be looking at something similar this time around. Electronic vehicles, or EVs, are the next big thing in transportation, and no effort or expense is being spared in China to become a world leader in EV design and manufacturing. Rebecca is founder of Silicon Dragon Ventures and author of the new book, Tech Titans of China. She's been on the program once before, and exactly one year ago, we spoke about the rise of China's tech giants Baidu, Alibaba, and Tencent, known collectively as The Bat. Four years earlier, Alibaba became the largest initial public offering in U.S. history, and true to investor expectations, the company under Jack Ma grew from strength to strength. In this episode, we delve into the shocking growth of China tech and how in just the past year, U.S. and other Western markets have thrown up a defense against the Chinese onslaught. I open my conversation with Rebecca by asking her to comment on the burgeoning geopolitical standoff. I guess, Rebecca, what, what I want to do is just start off with this, you know, the, the burning question, which is, uh, what's at stake for China tech companies in the wake of U.S.-China trade tensions? Uh, in, in other words, how dependent are China tech companies on overseas expansion to drive revenue or can domestic spend offset international growth? What do you think?
1: Well, I think we are starting to see this trend of China going global, uh, and we're really at the beginning stage of that. And Most of that activity has gone into Southeast Asia so far. Um, with more limited expansion into the U.S. So I think the impact of this is not going to be that severe on China to U.S., except that we are seeing a pushback from the U.S. side on China tech investment in the U.S., and so that has slowed down considerably. Uh, But in terms of Chinese companies going global, uh, Southeast Asia is really the focus now.
0: As a alternative market to the U.S. because of these types of limitations or scrutiny?
1: Yes, uh, I would say so. I'm seeing Alibaba and Tencent and other leading companies uh, turn to Indonesia, turn to India, turn to Malaysia, Singapore, uh, the rise of Southeast Asia as a next China market.
0: It's interesting because it's such a fragmented market in Southeast Asia, languages, regulations, uh, you know, market access, underdeveloped versus developed. Um, it can't be an easy uh, plod for them versus going into a more homogenous, more developed market like the U.S. Is it going to make up the difference or is it just the best thing they can do for now?
1: Well, in terms of culture, uh, there's a lot of similarity so that a Chinese company such as Uber uh, I mean, such as Didi can come into, come into Southeast Asia and another kind of ride hailing model can start up, uh, such as we've seen, you know, in many cases uh, the food delivery, the ride hailing, uh, the mobile commerce, the mobile payments, uh, the messaging. Uh, all these, all these things are being replicated in individual markets in in Southeast Asia. Yes, it's true you cannot have just one uniform uh, across all markets. But uh, what I'm seeing is uh, adaptations in in the region.
0: Is it enough, though, Rebecca? Is is it going to be enough to make up the difference, or is it still a bit of a uh, of a gander to try to penetrate these earlier stage markets? What do you think?
1: Well, I think in many cases, uh, the Chinese companies were not all that developed in the U.S. yet anyhow. Mm. Uh, And I I always think that uh, Southeast Asia uh, is a stronger market uh, because there's more familiarity with the products there, with the kinds of business models, uh, with the whole mobile generation. Uh, That's more advanced in Southeast Asia than it is in the U.S. Mm. Uh, So I I don't see this as being uh, a huge loss for Um, Chinese companies in the U.S. I mean, however, um, the Chinese companies have invested over the past few years into leading uh, U.S. tech companies such as Uber and Lyft and Tesla and Magic Leap. Now that has stopped. So these kinds of real tech trophy deals have pretty much stopped. Mm. And now we're seeing more uh, smaller and strategic deals in the U.S. from China. So it's not so much of a development play as it is um, know-how, R&D, Uh, those kinds of of issues. I think Bike Dance with uh, Tu Tiao and uh, and TikTok is one of the first companies or or products or services that's really gone global from China. So, yeah, uh, yeah, we're on the leading edge of this trend. I don't think that uh, this kind of trade issue and tech issues are hurting Chinese companies in the U.S. so much in terms of their sales. Uh, It could hurt them in terms of R&D, in terms of know-how.
0: Well, that's a couple things. First of all, tell the listeners a little bit about TikTok, a fascinating, you know, up-and-coming company that does appear to be going global. Well, what do you know about them, and what can you share with people who may not know about the company?
1: Well, TikTok is from ByteDance, uh, which is considered the new B of the bot, <laughs> the China bot. Uh, that's and... Baidu,
0: Alibaba, Tencent, which are the big tech giants in China.
1: Right, right. So now the. Uh ideas that hey bite dance may do may, may be the new bee hmm. and uh yeah so uh yeah that's the parent company out of beijing um and what uh tiktok does is uh, it's powered by ai um and it shoots uh 15 second video apps that are created by users um like selfies um and they're set to music and they're all kind of really funky crazy kinds of uh, videos, uh, dancing, dog grooming tips, uh, uh, singing contest um, I mean, you name it. But they're only 15 seconds. So, you know, you don't have to spend a lot of time if you're watching them. It's just uh, they just stream in. And um, TikTok invented this from, from China, actually Kwaisho as well. But TikTok is the one that has really taken off globally, in part because they bought another company called Musical.ly, Uh, which already had a big following in the West. Uh, So they gained, uh, like, it was a tremendous number of users in the U.S. uh, and overseas because of that Musical.ly acquisition. But since then, the whole idea of these uh, 15-second video apps has just become very popular. Uh, It's very entertaining. Um, It's very popular among teens and millennials, but it seems to be popular among people of all ages. and. In China, it's really popular in the rural areas too because it's a new form of entertainment we didn't have before. You know, it's fun, it's really funky, um, it's new.
0: And it appears that China's done a really good job on in tapping into the consumer market. So B2C applications and services are really taking off. I mean, Tencent, one of the leading pro- providers of uh, of gaming. Um, you've got uh, you know Alibaba with all of its extraordinary e-commerce and, and uh, e-payment capabilities. So the consumer right. piece seems to be the real heartthrob, if you will, for, for the tech sector yeah. globally. Have they done as well on the deep tech side or the B2B side, would you say?
1: Yeah, I I agree that they've done very well with mobile services for consumers. Uh, That is the real hotspot. Anything to do with mobile and all kinds of services. But on the uh, deep tech, um, not so much yet. Uh, However, I do think that China is determined to get ahead in many deep tech sectors. And the whole Made in China 2025 is part of that um, initiative. The a policy by the Chinese government. Yes, we're going to lead. We're going to lead, lead AI in 2023. We're going to get ahead in semiconductors. Right now, the U.S., the Western world, has the lead uh, in semiconductors know-how, the research and development angle of it. But in many cases, China has the lead on the applications of these technologies, but not necessarily the research roots of them. So that is something that China is developing now and as part of this whole policy to get ahead you
0: know rebecca that seems to have really riled the u.s these declarations outspoken government-based declarations of ai world dominance or machine learning or blockchain why do you suspect that's the case isn't this just a proud government uh, advocating for china technology the way that u.s government would advocate for u.s uh, corporate capabilities
1: yeah, I think in the past the U.S. had uh, mission statements like, let's go to the moon, we're going to land a man on the moon and return him safely back to Earth. Well, today we don't have these kinds of mission statements except make America great again. Uh, so we don't have these specific uh, outlines from the, from the U.S. government uh, driving policy, driving uh, directions of corporate spending, whereas China can pretty much set the agenda and uh, set the agenda for corporate spending, for uh, the where investment is going uh, to push the country forward. And so I, I feel that the U.S. Uh, does, is on the defense now. Uh, the U.S. is not really taking a proactive stance, it's taking a defensive stance to push back China, to not allow China to do things, and uh, to not allow to them to invest, not allow the China to uh, buy components from uh, U.S. And so the U.S. is on the defensive. And uh, I, so I do feel that uh, that is uh, very pronounced and uh, will probably become more pronounced as the elections um, become more in force over the next coming months. I mean, you've been
0: watching this China tech sector a long time now, Rebecca. I mean, is it your feeling that it's just the passing of the torch? Is this China's time? Are they actually coming into their own and just demonstrating their capabilities? And the U.S., I mean, almost verging on protectionism in terms of how they're walking in on a, on a, a case-by-case basis to block deals or block acquisitions. It doesn't feel like the U.S. that I knew when I lived there 30 years ago. What, what, mm-hmm. What's your feeling?
1: Well, yes, I do feel that the U.S. is on the is on the defensive side here. And you, if you look around at the infrastructure, it's uh, it's very poor compared to what we see in China. Uh, the cities, many of our U.S. cities, look. Old and outdated, and uh, you know, many vacant lots and uh, no sign of real progress. I mean, I do think we are starting to see some downtowns be revitalized, partly by technology and startups now. Um, and but the old manufacturing jobs have gone, um, and it's left a hole in the in the U.S. economy. I do yeah. don't think that that's coming back. Um, I I do feel that uh, uh, China is gaining. Uh, I I think uh, China is the first global challenger to the US um, and Technology is part of that, is a really important part of that.
0: Is, is China the geopolitical football for the U.S.? Is it just because it's big and, and, and threatening in, in terms that they decide, and therefore it becomes a, an, an unnecessary or an unwilling target uh, for, for U.S. concerns? Or, or are there actual reasons to be concerned about China's technology prowess and some of the kinds of applications and services they're looking to bring to market?
1: Yeah, the entrepreneurial culture in China is second to none, Uh, the work ethic, the speed of technology advancements, uh, the determination, uh, the number of engineers uh, in China that are graduating, uh, the scientific papers, the patent applications, all all of these factors, uh, all these indicators point to China's rise and very dramatic rise. Uh, If you look at patent applications alone uh, to the World Intellectual Property Organization, China has 21% of those patent filings last year. The U.S. had 22%. Uh, That's a very small difference. Mm. Uh, If you look at venture capital spending, um, last year China and the U.S. were almost on par uh, in spending in uh, in investment levels.
0: In tech investments.
1: uh, In in venture capital investments.
0: Uh, Across the board.
1: Yeah, and, and venture capital has tended to go toward yeah. uh, tech, tech companies. Right,
0: yeah. right. What about the Chinese government participation, direct participation? Is it wrong for the Chinese government, in your opinion, to support its tech sector through direct investment or other forms of favoritism?
1: Well, I think most of this investment has come from the private sector. Hmm. Uh, the government is setting an agenda, is setting... A policy directive but most of the investment unless it's a state-owned company is coming uh, from venture capital which is privately uh, supported and in fact um, a lot of it is supported from Western sources uh, if you look at Silicon Valley venture capital that's investing in China you know there's a lot of there's a lot of um, there's a, a lot of money uh, they are behind you from universities, from family offices, from pensions, um, and uh, high net worth individuals uh, in the West. Uh, not necessarily from
0: China. I guess I'm I'm referring to something which I think you uh, said in a Forbes contribution contribution where you said you wrote the China's master plan for global dominance in AI designated specific tasks and and I think you mentioned yeah. Baidu for autonomous driving, Alibaba right. for smart city initiative, right. Tencent for computer right. vision and medical diagnoses. These are strategic initiatives, um, which it appears it appears that the government is prepared to back it with either grants or or. Financial financial. financial support or market access. Can you try to break that down for us a little bit, understand what really, what does that really mean?
1: Well, yeah, so in AI, there is a specific uh, AI fund uh, directed to two Chinese cities uh, that is set to invest $7 billion. Um, And then there's also a tech fund from the government that is set to uh, back Chinese companies So those are separate from the venture capital money that has gone in. Um, And yes, so the government does have this money uh, that's going into certain technologies. And you're right. I mean, there are companies that have been designated as leaders in specific sectors, uh, which is really interesting. So Baidu has its place. Alibaba has its place. Tencent has its place in AI. SenseTime has its place. uh, And uh, yeah, so there's much more of a government influence over how technology is developed than, uh, than in the West. Why is, in the West, hmm. there's, there's a real more separation. Washington, D.C. and Silicon Valley don't necessarily get along.
0: Why, why does the U.S. and some Western markets take such offense at that?
1: It's, it's a different system. Uh, the U.S. is uh, born on democratic principles freedom of expression, Uh, it's hard for, from the Western perspective, to understand uh, that there's this other total other system out there that maybe works for them, but probably wouldn't work in the U.S.
0: I guess I'm just wondering, I mean, I, I, I think to some of the strategic initiatives that the U.S. has made in recent years, I, and I was kind of, you know, running through my mind, what would be a, an, you know, and I thought of the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, the SPR. Do you remember that? It was an emergency fuel storage of petroleum, uh, you know, they, and the U.S. kind of stockpiled in the 19, starting in the late 1970s uh, uh-huh. to, to guard against Middle East cartels raising prices and, and driving uh-huh. up uh, driving the, the U.S. economy into a hole. And Uh that seemed to me like a plan that the government took an an active role. It obviously influenced oil prices. Uh, It had this kind of feeling of we need to do this to protect our interest. Is that a fair parallel or, or comparison to perhaps what China is feeling right now? Is it feeling defensive? Does it feel like it needs to get involved in some of these companies in order to drive the agenda and get the results they need to succeed going forward?
1: Uh, well, I think, I think that's worded a little strongly. Mm. Um, but I think, uh, yes, um, the government does have an influence over how spending is, um, is made, how investments are made. Um, if the government, Chinese government, uh, green lights, AI is the next big thing, then yeah, you're going to see a lot of investment in that area. And you're going to see some government spending in that area too. Um, so, um, you know, it's interesting because uh, when um, China came out with this big AI policy, we're going to own the AI market by 20, 20- we're going to be the world's dominant AI leader. I, we're going to be, you know, the champion. Well, so then from the US side, we have uh, President Trump saying, okay, well, we have our own initiative, but there's no money behind it. Right, right. <laughs> it's just, okay, we're, we're going to have a policy, but there's no money behind it. <laughs> yeah. And So that, that's a key difference.
0: Me too. Here, Yeah, I, I hear you. <laughs> This is Steve Stein, and you're listening to my conversation with Rebecca Fannin, author of the new book, Tech Titans of China. We've been discussing the rise of the China tech sector and the degree to which Chinese-backed technology firms are breaking away on all fronts. From mobile apps to self-driving cars, China's entrepreneurial fervor, deep pockets, and the will to succeed are all converging, and the output is impressive. It's enough to make some countries, particularly the U.S., uneasy. According to Rebecca, it was only a matter of time. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back in a moment. You're listening to Inside Asia, and I'm in conversation with Rebecca Fannin, founder of Silicon Dragon Ventures and author of a new book on China's tech sector. In the second half of our discussion, she shares with us some of her new findings and points to a new generation of high-performance startups racing past Western counterparts. Let's get back to our conversation. Tell us a little bit about uh, your book, Tech Titans of China, just released. Um, What are some of your key takeaways and some of your your core predictions?
1: Well, I talk about uh, the original uh, bot, Baidu, Alibaba, Tencent, but a new group of up-and-comers that are shaking things up, disrupting the markets, uh, coming up with new business models, coming up with new business ideas. Um, uh, and they're in many sectors. Uh, so, uh, I think we've heard about TMD, uh, Tutiao, Meituan, Didi, um, as newcomers plus Xiaomi, the X. Um, but there's a whole other group, uh, such as Penduo Duo in mobile com, um, Little Red Book in, you know, in, in, uh, mobile commerce as well and social commerce, um, and, uh, TikTok in the video apps and the, and the AI news apps, um. And uh, there are many sectors where uh, you're seeing the rise of Chinese companies. Uh, The electric vehicle market is another major, major sector that has uh, Chinese competitors rising, um, such as NIO, such as XPeng Motors. And if you look at drones and robotics, that's another area where China is spending a lot of money uh, behind startups. DJI is the world's leading drone maker. Uh, You know, it's from China, um, well over 50% market share, um, and uh, based in Shenzhen. So You are seeing these um, companies coming up in sectors that really matter for the future of technology. Um, And uh, I think uh, this is a wake-up call for the Western world that a decade ago, this would not have been something that uh, was on the radar, really, um, that it was almost ridiculed if you say that there was a a Silicon Dragon, uh, to quote my first book, um, in China. That was an idea that was really not accepted in the West, particularly not by Silicon Valley. But today you see uh, kind of the opposite feeling like, OK, well, we better do something. We've got to either push back or we got to you know, push ahead. Um, into our own technologies and our own know-how. Um, and so I, I wanted to write about this in Tech Titans of China about this, how this has come forth in in such a surprising uh, way and an amazing short time.
0: It, the timing is is almost uncanny. I mean, while Facebook, Google, Amazon are all under new levels of legal and political scrutiny in the U.S., uh, there's talk of breaking them up, and it's a popular theme within U.S. political circles. And, and and then you look at China, and it's just the opposite. It's like government is behind their tech giants, driving, supporting, encouraging, you know, opening up uh, opportunities. It just feels like uh, two polar opposite approaches to how to build a tech sector. How do you think this is going to pan out?
1: Well, not necessarily. If you look at regulations of companies, uh, Tencent has been uh, regulated over addictive games, the hours of mm. uh, time that children can play games. Um, Alibaba has been hit by, hey, get, uh, get uh, c- counterfeit under c- control. um and so there are regulations on both sides um and uh there is a government you know uh trying to control some of the tech power of these tech titans from both sides um and so i yeah okay if you look at um beijing and washington dc yeah they definitely do not get along but maybe Beijing and Shenzhen get along better.
0: Mm, mm, Interesting. Where where do you think, I mean, if you were to, do you lay out in your book certain key predictions the next 5, 10, 15 years? Are there things that you think China will simply dominate in certain areas of technology where they're demonstrating uh, a significant uh, um, advantage over the rest of the world?
1: Uh, Definitely in electric vehicles and autonomous driving. Mm. Uh, This is one of the biggest issues that all cities face is transportation uh there's congestion uh traffic jams and so i think uh if the chinese can get these electric vehicles that are self-driving vehicles uh on the road uh quickly uh that china could really dominate that sector Uh, and you're seeing a lot of spending going into the, into this, uh, into this area. And I think that this is one, one area to really watch. Uh, I mean, the whole mobile apps, the consumer mobile, um, uh, uh, sector, I think that that, those ideas will spill over into the West and we'll see more mobile payments. We'll see more mobile commerce. We'll see social commerce. Uh, we'll see these things develop. Uh, but uh, in terms of, um, kind of uh, new technologies that could transform um, our daily lives, um, you know, in cities, uh, definitely the electric vehicles and the autonomous driving. Uh, and uh, AI is part of that, of course. Um, so, yeah, AI, autonomous driving, electric vehicles, really important sectors that China is getting ahead in.
0: You know we can't escape a conversation without some mention of Huawei, um, and I'm just wondering what your views are in terms of is this a bellwether for the way that the U.S. or some Western markets will treat China tech companies when they start to show a demonstrated advantage or capability over uh, home players, do you feel that uh, that this is just, or is this a unique and unusual uh, situation uh, where we're, where we're dealing with concerns around espionage or listening technologies that are simply not uh, acceptable acceptable to the U.S.
1: Yeah, well, what I'm hearing is that Huawei is really a symptom. And not really a, the problem, not really the root problem, mm. it's a symptom of what's going on. And so this could carry over uh, from Huawei to other companies, to other Chinese companies uh, that are entering global markets. Uh, Huawei is the one that's in the spotlight right now because of the rollout of 5G, um, and that's the one that's getting all the scrutiny in the press right now. But This could also spill over to other sectors um, when, um, say, let's say Neo, the electric car company that uh, is considered a Tesla challenger. Mm. Let's say if they try to really get into the U.S. market, if people say, oh, well, that's a Chinese car. Well, we're not going to buy a Chinese car. Mm. But, Mm. (laughs) you know, but look, these ideas change really quickly. I remember, look, when Japanese cars came into the West uh they were uh yeah okay we're we're only going to buy detroit we're not buying from japan well that changed pretty swiftly when <laughs> when japan proved that it could make higher quality cars at a cheaper price right uh, right So, anyhow, the consumer consumer dictates a lot of what
0: happens. And, and of course, nationalism cuts both ways. I mean, there could be restored or reinvigorated pride in China-made goods. And China could simply say, I am opting into China-made tech. I'm going to turn my back on U.S. tech. And there's a lot of it in China. Do you feel that that's a concern?
1: Oh, yeah, I I do think. I mean, Huawei's already said it's developing its own operating system for its phone. so. Yeah, yeah, definitely. China is becoming uh, more uh, reliant on its own technology, and this is in response to this tech cold war that we're seeing now.
0: That was my conversation with Rebecca Fannin, founder of Silicon Dragon Ventures and author of Tech Titans of China, now available on Amazon or wherever you buy your books. Reading Rebecca's book is like drinking from an advanced tech fire hose. She rattles off so many recent China tech sector achievements that I literally put down the Kindle to slow the spinning in my head. Here are a few. From 2010 to 2018, Chinese dealmakers made 1,315 tech investments globally, investing $99.8 billion. In addition, China R&D spending rose last year to $409 billion and may exceed U.S. R&D spending of $497 billion in just one or two years. The country's share of global patent applications has also skyrocketed. Today, they're in second place, just behind the U.S., representing 21% of the global total. How will they keep it going? University graduates, and lots of them. 4.7 million scientists, technologists, and engineers to be exact, dwarfing the mere 568,000 graduates coming out of US schools. And how about this? In 5G mobile infrastructure, China has vastly outspent the U.S. and Western markets by investing $24 billion since 2015 alone, earmarking another $400 billion in testing and development in the next 10 years. Why is this important? Because all the hype around the Internet of Things and the Fourth Industrial Revolution is dependent on high-speed mobile networks. Without it, we're living in the past. There's more at stake here than meets the eye. For some, China's amped-up tech ambitions equate to a play for global dominance. That may sound like paranoia, but not for countries that have benefited from tech innovation. Make no mistake, American wealth and prosperity is due largely to a century of tech prowess, from advanced manufacturing to semiconductor innovation. It's also fueled the dominance of the U.S. military complex, and that's where things get sticky. When the Chinese government talks of artificial intelligence leadership or mass automation of its industries, other countries hear something very different. They think advanced weaponry or commercial supremacy. In other words, fighting words. Of course, Trump's anti-China rhetoric isn't helping things. His efforts to de-link the U.S. from China may satisfy some short-term objectives, but in the long run it garners mistrust and lost opportunities to collaborate rather than compete. If the world is faced with vast problems ranging from overpopulation to climate change, now is the time to put aside petty national interest to think about humanity at large. Technology could save us, but not if we're at war. Where do you, the listener, fall on the subject of China's tech dominance? Is it probable or overstated? What could get in its way and what's the probability that politics displace pragmatism at the precise moment when the global population needs tech the most? We want to know what you think. Rate and comment on this episode wherever you download your podcasts. And if tracking tech developments in Asia is important to you, please subscribe to the Inside Asia newsletter. Tech trends are a key theme for us. Each week we deliver new insights, point you to reliable resources, and showcase episodes on related topics. To subscribe, go to www.insideasiaadvisors.com, scroll to the bottom of the homepage, fill in your name and email, and start receiving our weekly update. Is there a topic we haven't covered? Let us know. To subscribe and download any or all of our episodes, visit Inside Asia at iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play, or comment and rate the program on Facebook, Twitter, or LinkedIn. Until next time, this is Steve Stein saying, coming from the outside on Inside Asia.